Welcome to the Global Digital Banker Podcast. Today I'm joined by Joel Perlman, co-founder of Oak North, one of the original fintech unicorns and now recently the organization behind Europe's largest fintech funding to date with over $848 million in primary funding so far and a post-money valuation at $2.8 billion. Joel, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi Adele, thanks. So some very exciting news for you and the team this week. Can you tell me a bit about your recent investment? Yes, our recent investment was largely uh, a round led by SoftBank. Uh, SoftBank is one of the, the major players in the space and they're very ambitious and they shared a vision with us which is to build the dominant player in the mid-market loan segment globally. So they invested a fair amount of liquidity. Uh, there was another one of our investors as well that followed up on their previous uh, investment with us. So that was the last round, yes. Wow, that's great news. So having scaled up from a startup to a multi-billion dollar company in just three years, are you able to share a bit about the journey? Yes. So listen, I, we, we've always had uh, the perspective, Rishi and I, who's, Rishi was the other founder, we've always had the perspective that a business needs to be profitable, first and foremost. So we were profitable 11 months after we started uh, lending in our business. So we actually used very little capital. We used probably a tenth of what other banks would use to set up a bank, a tenth. And we were profitable since you know 11 months, 11 months into the business. And our journey to profitability was very much about focusing on revenues and managing costs. Mm-hmm. And, and not getting carried away by having large cost items that eventually we'd pay them down or anything like that. So we only hired when we could afford to hire. And the, the critical thing to say is that many companies don't do that. They focus on revenues and they forget about costs and they say, well, eventually I can bring my costs down. But that doesn't happen ever because you create the wrong culture. You create uh, things that are not, you cannot reduce certain fixed costs that are impossible to move after a while and it becomes impossible. So always, the key thing is to always build it with a cost in mind as well. And when it comes to funding, now that you've been through several rounds and several rounds successfully, how has your approach to the funding rounds developed over time? I think that the approach to the funding rounds is, is very important because one thing that one needs to be very careful about when raising capital is, and that first-time entrepreneurs are not, is. Uh, things that are more nuanced like anti-dilution rights and liquidation preferences and there's all these types of things that first-time entrepreneurs are not aware of and then they get caught seven years later in a situation in which they sold the business and they got very little for it because most of it went to the investors. So it's really important to understand the technicalities of financing because a venture capitalist or a private equity fund their ideal entrepreneur is someone who's excellent at product, excellent at sales but very naive at finance. And that's when they can really close the, the, the great deals for themselves that are terrible for the entrepreneurs. My business partner, Rishi, was a venture capital investor. He was on the other side before we started our first business. So we knew all the tricks. From it's the... great to have that exactly. double perspective. Isn't it? Exactly. Considering how you've grown so fast in four years, what are some of the biggest opportunities you've realized from being such a fast-growing business? Listen, the opportunity that we've most realized is the fact that we, today we're known as the Bank for Entrepreneurs, the UK. That's the opportunity that we've sort of cemented for ourselves. We have a two billion pound loan book. 
which we're aiming to get it to a four billion pounds uh, by the end of the year. You, if you ask pretty much anybody in, in the entrepreneurial space, the scale-up entrepreneurs, not the startup entrepreneurs, the scale-up entrepreneurs who've already built something and are trying to scale it and replicate it, we are the, the go-to bank for them. So that's the opportunity that we've already realized here in the UK. Now we're going global with the same ambition. And no doubt, like many other startups out there who are growing, they've experienced many trials and tribulations along the way. Are you able to share some of your experience in this space and how you overcame them to achieve your success? Well, listen, I think the most important experiences, the most important things that we've, we've learned over time is to, number one, focus on profits, always from day one. Number two, a bad hire is much worse than no hire. So if you need somebody, but you cannot find the right person, don't do it because the wrong person will, will create a mess for you. So we're very, very selective. And those are some of the things that, you know, when people say, why aren't you growing as quickly in terms of headcount? We say, well, we're not going to bring the wrong person in. Yeah. So probably 1% of people who come through the door get hired. So that's a, a key tenant for us. And the other thing is obsess about the customer experience because that's what ultimately it's all about. It's all about delighting the customer to make sure that they refer you to other customers and you create a viral following of people and then that has all kinds of, of uh, benefits. It brings you the best types of deals. It reduces your cost of customer acquisition. It makes your salespeople much more productive. So obsess about the customer experience. Personal recommendation is just so much more valuable as a marketing tool Always. than I think any form of paid advertising. Completely. And today, 70% of our deal flow comes from referrals. Wow. 70%. That's incredible. So in other news, the expansion of your AI platform, can you talk a bit about this? Our, our platform as we, are, we approach it is a, is a combination of things. It, it includes uh, people and machines. It's not just machines because when you are issuing a loan for a 1 million euro or 1 million pounds or 1 million dollars or 2 million or 3 million, you cannot fully automate it because the ticket size is too large to automate fully. So our AI platform depends on a lot on human interaction as well. Listen, the actual AI is, is around anomaly detection. It's a big thing that we do. So we, we haven't had a default to date. We haven't had one missed payment in the bank since inception. So one of our platforms that is, um, is focused on that is our monitoring tool, which allows us to have early warnings based on anomalies that the system picks up. For example, a trend, there was a number trending this way, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of a dip in it. Mm -hmm. There's a flag automatically. So it's understanding the system sort of expects a certain type of, of MI from the customer, and if the MI is different, there's flags. And is that when, say, the human would then look into yes, that further? Yes, exactly. And you're expanding that through the US as well, is that correct? Yes. Well, we, our platform is global. We are expanding uh, one of our core markets, target markets is the US. So we already have a number of clients in the U.S., uh, banks and funds who are working with us. And uh, we're also starting to lend our own money in the U.S. So we also have balance sheet lending in the U.S. So we're doing both. And that's our expansion plan in the U.S. Great. And then since your inception, how have you seen the SME lending space develop over the past four years? What are kind of the biggest changes you've noticed? Well, listen, I, I think one of the... Um, the key changes that we're, we're seeing in the SME lending space is that a lot of companies that are focused on tourism have done very well because the weak pound 
has brought in a lot of tourists that, you know, because of the, of the Brexit situation, the pound has gotten weaker. So there's a lot of entertainment, tourism, that whole sector has flourished immensely. And we've done very well with our, we do a lot of restaurants, bars, hotels, uh, that type of, of sector. So that's one thing I would say has happened. And then wrapping up, you kind of touched on some of your plans for expansion with the investment. But what else can we expect to see? The, what's next for us is really taking our capabilities to the next level, which means, for example, today our technology allows us to write credit papers in four days and we want to get that down to one day. So it's about efficiencies based on technology. And so there's a huge amount on, on that piece. And then the ambition itself is to really become the dominant player in the mid-market sector globally. Wonderful. Well, it's going to be really exciting to see how this continues to grow and how you continue to expand with this recent funding. Joel, thank you so much for joining me, sharing the insights into the Oakenall success. Thank you, Adele. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. For more content on the podcast, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. For updates on upcoming episodes, check us out on Twitter at GDB Podcast or on LinkedIn under RFI Group.